Hello, folks. Thank you again for joining me on my podcast. And today, my special guest is a dear friend of mine. His name is John O'Glum. Yeah, you did hear that right. It is John O'Glum, short for John O'Thin. So, uh, to introduce himself, here he is, John O. Say hi. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, he is uh, probably one of my corkier friends, um, which is what I honestly, I truly love about him so much. He is also <laughs> kind of under the radar, a sneaky athlete. A lot of it has to do with his, what I like to call his, his Gumby, his Gumby strength or length, I like to call it. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's a closet athlete and uh, one of the sports that he's honestly really fucking good at is baseball. And I know pretty little about baseball. I had a quick stint from about 2008 when my Phillies won the World Series. So bandwagon year. Super pumped about that. (laughs) And then to about like 2011, I uh, was pretty much done with baseball after about that point. I don't know too much about it. So I am going to ask away today with with you, John, now. you were a big baseball fan. When did you first start playing? Uh, I first started playing baseball actually when I was four and a half. And it's funny, I have what like used to be called the, the baseball birthday, which is August 1st. Oh, yeah. uh, Joe Torrey, who's actually the, uh, the old manager from the Yankees, wrote a book about it. Well, not a book about, about birthday, but a chapter about the birthday, about how for a long time the national cutoff was July 31st. And so if you were born on August 1st, you were basically... <laughs> a year older than everyone you're playing with. Yeah. And so I got like special put into Little League by one of my dad's friends and I was like the smallest kid on the field for my first season. And then every season after that I got to play one extra one. So at least for one season I was always the biggest kid on the field. So it had been. <laughs> just it I'm assuming this is like T ball too, so you're probably just fucking crushing it. Well the whole thing was like so from like four to seven you know, your T-ball coach pitches till like nine, minors is till like 11. And that's when you start doing kid pitch. And so you do minors from like age 11 to 13. And so like, I would be 14 years old. Like I'd be like almost a high schooler playing with kids that are just getting out of fifth grade. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm playing on the field with a 200 foot fence, just crushing my last season. <laughs> and then, I went to juniors, which is 15 to 17, and then my whole last season of that, before I got hurt, I was a year older than everyone I was playing with, too, so again, just, just crushing, so, yeah, my August 1st birthday did me, uh, did me well in my baseball career. Um, so you started out with, uh, with T-ball, um, did you go, so in, in California, it was pretty different, where, so our levels were, um, it was T-ball and then what we called farm league, which was like the machine pitch. So we called that our farm league. And then after that was um, minors, which was like the first time you were going to get uh, people like pitching to you. And then we had definitely a smaller, definitely a smaller um, field. Obviously, I think it was like probably like what you said, maybe like. 200 feet or something like i don't know it was something small or whatever the first fence is probably like 120 something like that right um and then they had majors which was obviously a little bit bigger i think that was generally like your fifth and sixth graders maybe your sixth and seventh graders 
And then you had um, what they called juniors, which is what I believe you just said, which was like more more than likely your eighth and ninth graders, and then like seventh graders probably. They're really good. Right. What did you get? How did you guys go by it? Like, what did you guys call it all? Wasn't it fucking different out there in it's Florida? Pretty closely, it's pretty closely similar to that. We had T-ball start off, and then we never did machine pitch. And I'm not sure if that was just our particular league or not, because I definitely heard of other people in Florida having machine pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then just like you, minors was first time kid pitch, majors, juniors. And then I played baseball at the same park from four and a half to, like, 15. Yeah. Um, so I knew everyone. And then, like, I was, like, when I was, like, 16 or something like that, uh, it was right before I was starting to play for my high school. Um, I had to switch parks. I had to go to a different, like, facility because we couldn't field enough people in my age group. And so we had to be, like, absorbed into a Babe Ruth League. And yeah. oh my god, it was the craziest thing, man. And this is just like a, a definite where I played baseball. I played baseball in Lake Mary, Florida, which is, I didn't realize until I left Lake Mary, Florida, like a super like, rich white person town. Yeah. And I went to this Babe Ruth League in Longwood, which is just the neighboring town. But the difference in like grit to the game that was played was ridiculous. The people, the the attitudes I had never been in a baseball scuffle ever in nine years of playing at like my little league and within two or three games full binge clearing fights at this dangerous league and it was such a culture shock as far as like my baseball career went but yeah that thing was crazy but that's that's a whole other story honestly yeah that's gotta be that would totally be weird we didn't have that for basketball I mean I played we had that for uh, baseball, like we definitely had two in my city of Rockland. There were two uh, baseball leagues. There was what they called Tri City, and then ours was the Twin Oaks League. Uh, but very similar to what you said, like generally, whatever league you were playing in, you were there from like kindergarten up to eighth or ninth grade. So you like got to see everybody. You you knew everybody. I only played up until farm uh, the machine pitch. That was like three years of baseball for me and then i was just i was done i was like i can't this was too slow um i was i was used to playing like at the time <laughs> basketball and football so like where it was just constant motion and then like in yep. farm league we i'd be sitting in the center field and i'd just be so bored because kids aren't hitting it that far you know i'm like oh my god this sucks <laughs> so i was just i left but um I do know that with baseball, there's like a whole lot of strategy with it. Um, I, you know, I was, I got laughed at cause I asked this guy who was a pitcher and I was like, what's your favorite pitch? And he laughed at me and I was all what? And he goes, you clearly don't play baseball. And I'm all never, I, I haven't played in 20 years. I'm like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, why? He's all, well, you don't just ask a pitcher what's his favorite pitch. Cause it depends on so many things. So it's like, what would be some of the things, I guess, in a very broad stroke question, what would be some of the things that like kind of depend on that you're looking at as you're facing a batter? Well, I think a lot of it goes into, first of all, like which pitchers have the green light to actually throw whatever they want to pitch and then which pitches are out there just listening to whatever the coach is calling from the dugout. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't, I don't want to like insult anyone's baseball knowledge, but a lot of times I don't think people realize that a lot of times pitchers aren't picking their pitches. They might shake off a pitch or two, 
because they might not want to throw it, but a lot of times it's not really up to them. Uh, but then, of course, you have, like, some of the aces that are obviously going to just kind of swing away. But I would say, like, as far as, like, different strategy pitches goes, you're going to have different types of pitchers that throw different pitches because they're doing different things. And so you're going to have a starter that's going to have a really consistent fastball, curveball, and changeup that they can throw 90 times versus a relief pitcher that's going to be able to throw a way harder cutting curveball, like, 40 times. And so there are pitchers in the league now, and this didn't used to happen, but there are pitchers in the league now that only throw two pitches. I mean, really good examples of those are like Tim Wakefield from the Red Sox in the past, who basically only threw knuckleballs, Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer of all time, like basically only threw cutters. So I think it, I think that guy that you were talking to was being pedantic as far as the Jonaski pitcher with favorite pitches, but I do also think that it's pretty dependent on the situation you're in. Huh. Um, does it like matter at all? You know, um, so your next pitch or not necessarily pitch, but maybe where you're going to throw it. Um, does it kind of depend on, you know, his, what, what type of hitter he is meaning like lefty righty, if he's somebody's on base where they're on base and then like where you are in the count, does that all play like a factor at all? Yeah, so, like, you, do you ever play, uh, like, baseball 2K when it used to be a thing? Yeah, MLB the show. Like every, the show games. every time I go home to visit my parents, when they go to bed, I turn on my dad's PlayStation because I don't know why, but all of a sudden he loves PlayStation. Um, and I play his MLB the show all the time. <laughs> Best baseball game in history of baseball games is MLB Select Press 2004. Very fun game. It's an old PS2 game, and you could, like, you can, like, fight people, basically. Oh, Slugfest, right? Playing baseball. Slugfest? Yeah, Slugfest, yeah. Yes. Dude, I, I remember, I will, the reason this sticks out to me is because I'll never forget as a kid, it was when this game was, like, incredibly famous, and I our local news starts running a story about how violent, like, violent video games, you know, so it's like, this was way long ago when this whole fight against violent games started and they were like talking about it and they mentioned Slugfest and she was like, it's just that. It really is a Slugfest. And it was like her, they show like, you know, B-roll of like her son in the den playing the video games and he's just fucking going to town on players. (laughs) Ripping someone apart. Yes, exactly. Just killing them. It was so funny. And then, and you know, it was like this mother who was kind of like half serious. Like, I really do think that she's like, it was really just a slugfest. I did, I was appalled. <laughs> like, you don't care. You're just on TV. <laughs> My dad and I used to play that game. We'd make an agreement to like not, we'd be like, all right, no, no punching. We're not going to punch for the rest of the game. We try to keep it close. <laughs> She'd just be running the bases, and you get about to be tagged out, and she'd deck the pitcher. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but anyway, the point, the point. So they had a hot zone in those games, right? So, like, when you're the pitcher and you can throw with the pitch, like, a lot of times, they'll show you, like, the hot and cold zone score. Yeah. That particular batter. And so, a lot of times, in off innings, what you're going to do is you're going to have someone sitting down with the pitcher showing those. And now there's so many iPads. I mean, like, if you see... Like, it used to be different. Like, it used to be someone had to talk to you about these things, but now you can literally pull up, like, two dates, the hot zones on a player. So, 
you're just going to go into that mindset. And again, the coach is telling the catcher from the dugout most times where to place that pitch based off those hot zones. Um, I think a lot of it comes to of like who your hitter is. If you have Miguel Cabrera standing in the box, you're probably not going to put anything over the plate. You got David Ortiz his whole career, you know, he was, I remember watching the last World Series he played in and some of his at-bats, and they were almost, like, comically bad pitches because he gets walked so much because no one wants to throw to him. Who's the – I think it was Miguel Cabrera, the one that hit a home run off an intentional walk in, like, 2009 when he playing with the Marlins. So, I mean, like, those guys, those people that are, like, game-changing hitters, I don't even know what you do to approach people like that because – you just kind of have to hope they miss, but for normal people, those hot zones you have to play into a lot of the time. And again, there's just so much stats, if you will, in baseball. You can bring up the amount of times the pitcher throws a curveball per game, and so that hitter is also going and thinking about what pitches they are most likely to see. And so the whole exchange between a batter and a pitcher is convoluted, to say the least. Yeah, um, honestly, sorry, taking a rip there. Had to had to blow out. Um, had to give. I had to give it a little pause too to get a little extra sting in there. Um, but I was just thinking that too. To be honest, like it, it's a very, it really is kind of like a weird mono e mono thing. Like I can't think of another sport like basketball. You get moments of that, right? You get moments of one-on-one you get in the fourth quarter. Let's say like tonight, we're probably going to see Kawhi Leonard go one-on-one with Iguodala or something. Uh, you see that in football every now and then, but baseball, it's literally that the whole, the whole time. So it's like really, there is really a lot. I imagine a lot of mind games too, that go into that, like the battle between the pitcher and the hitter. Yeah, and if you hear about some of these pitchers, like some of the best pitchers, some of them, I'm pretty sure just, I think it's Justin Verlander. I can't, don't, don't quote me on this. This is, this is my best speculation from what I remember, but I'm pretty sure it's like the day before the practice, before he starts, he just like basically doesn't talk to anybody. He only warms up with one catcher. I heard that last series they played into the playoffs, like his catcher wasn't available, and so he didn't warm up until like 10 minutes before the game really showed up. Um, but he, it, it, I hate to say it, but it's almost like these method pitchers, these pitchers that are like a little crazy or something like the best ones. Uh, but it is totally a mind game. And just like basketball, too, with like a shot, you know, I think that even though referencing basketball, Kawhi Leonard just had kind of a bad game in game one. Yeah. There are just days that you're not going to make your shots, and there are days you're just not going to hit your corners. And there's also days that umpires aren't going to help you out. I don't think there's any other sport <laughs> that is as reliant on the person umpiring or refereeing the game than baseball. Because, like, in basketball, you're going to you're scoring regardless. But, you know, <laughs> an umpire behind the plate that's calling a game one way or another can completely change everything. Yeah. And also, home plate umpires are so are so toss happy recently with with throwing out pitchers. Um, it's this whole other aspect too, where not only are you a pitcher and you're trying to get people out, and you're also not trying to allow home runs, and you're also not trying to get thrown out of the game. 
by throwing too close or by hitting someone with the pitch. Yeah, I, I, I've seen baseball players to your... I, I wanted to kind of like make a comment on that because I was wondering if there's like this new weird change of guard in all leagues around the world right now for refs and their like toleration because... I mean, you're seeing in baseball now, people are getting thrown out a lot quicker. And you mentioned basketball. I mean, dude, this year alone, how many times have you been on like Instagram? You're seeing highlights of, you know, somebody's just getting thrown out for some of the weakest bullshit you've ever seen. I feel like refs are all. Dude, like, it's weird to me. I don't understand what it is. And it's these newer refs, people who have been in the league only like anywhere from one, like first year to four years. And they just have these quick triggers. I don't know what the fuck's going on. And you mentioned it, and you watch a lot of fucking baseball. I mean, and it is quick. And I, if I'm seeing highlights of too many highlights, in my opinion, of baseball players getting ejected, I can't imagine what you're seeing. Right? And it comes back to, like, people get, like, I'm seeing someone get ejected from the dugout this season. Like, he wasn't even at bat. He was yelling things from the dugout. He got ejected. Like, you, I mean, as an umpire... I don't know if you have to take that, but you probably should just because <laughs> that's kind of your job. And then the other day, there was the, uh, the, that, I think but... it, the White Sox playing some other team. I know it was the White Sox because the, the person I'm speaking about has been hot for them. But pitch came inside and clipped him in the hand, I think. And the pitcher immediately reacted like he was mad that he let it go. It was an 0-2 count. It was an 86 mile an hour changeup, and he gets tossed. Tell me why. If that guy wanted to hurt or retaliate for any reason, he's not going to throw on an O2 pitch. He's not going to throw fucking changeup, and it's definitely not going to be 86 miles an hour when your fastball is at 97. So I just think that with that situation, like you got to show a little bit of hesitation. Maybe a warning. Oh, also no warnings that game. No warnings given. So I just think that that was way too quick. Yeah. Damn. That's. I really like that analytics that you just pulled on that whole pitch. That was really nice. But for real, though, because that's a good point. I mean, I don't really know much about baseball, but I do know that that would line up logically. Like, if you're going to try and hurt somebody, it's when you have the, you know, when you have the lead, you could possibly get them out. And also, like you said, you're not going to throw an 86-mile-an-hour ball. You're going to fucking try and hit them. And you're probably going to do it when you're yeah. when you're on 3-1 or something. I mean, most times you're going to hit someone's first pitch coming at you. Like, you know. <laughs> and I am not – I don't know where I stand on the whole retaliation thing. I think it does add a – Dude, that's scary as fuck. I won't, I won't lie. I can't – because it's – it's not like basketball where basketball, don't get me wrong, you're in for a, like when you get the revenge ones, like you're going to get rocked, but there's only so hard someone can really hit you in the game. The worst thing there's probably going to do is get a flagrant one, unless they're really pissed. They're going to, you know, you're about to get to take a flagrant two, but like mm-hmm. you're basically just going to get fucking hit hard once by a person where it's not going to be a fist or anything like that. It's not a 95-mile-an-hour fastball coming at your fucking back. Like, I just, that doesn't seem, I got to imagine those guys are, I know they're big, strong guys, but they're probably feeling that for the next week. Oh, man, getting hit by anything 90-plus, and granted, I've probably only been hit by, like, maybe one 9 an hour pitch because I only played in high school 
Imagine usually got ladies there, but I mean, it's a it's a rock that someone's hurling at you, yeah. and I think the like the, the reaction time is just above two uh, two seconds. You basically have like one Mississippi two to make a decision about where you're going to go, and a lot of times it's crazy, man. A lot of times because they teach you this in baseball when you're like eleven. I went to this camp where we started with wiffle balls, moved to tennis balls, and at the end they were literally whipping baseballs at us because <laughs> we were supposed to have, like, know the correct way to take a pitch that, like, wouldn't hurt that much. And that's the correct way, but it's, you're not thinking about that because, you know, it's a 2-2 pitch and you're thinking about definitely putting the ball on the diamond and then all of a sudden it's coming at you and you have to get out of the way. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not a fun time. Yeah, no. Oh, so this t- season is the uh, low season, high season for uh, hit by pitches. There's uh, been the most players hit by a pitch this season than ever, and the percentages for relief pitchers and starting pitchers is higher than ever. And it's just tied to all these home runs that are being hit because the hitters are getting better than the pitchers, and the pitchers can do anything about it. So they're trying to throw harder, thus more people are getting hit by pitches. But like, I'm like sorry to divulge here, but like that little that little girl got hit at that game couple like a week ago uh, and if she got hit by a foul ball because there's not nets up I think there should be nets to the poles but she got hit by the foul ball I think it was a Cubs player I'm pretty sure it was a Cubs player um, Ari, Ari, Ari Nola, I had to look it up uh, but she had to go to the hospital because she you know she's like an infant she got smacked by a baseball probably going 100 miles an hour careening off of a bat oh yeah no but that girl took a fucking hit it. That's for sure. And we always talk about fans. You know, we always talk about fans getting struck by the balls, but we also don't talk about the fact that there's someone standing in the batter's box that is constantly getting the ball thrown at them. And right now, more people than ever are getting hit. So, And more and more people are on the injured list. I mean, like, look at the Yankees, as much as I hate to say it, and they're still winning. So I really don't want to talk about it, but their injured list is like a novel. Yeah. Are you talking about wait? Are you talking about their injury list, like their players, or you, your the fans? I thought you. I feel like that got mixed in. Real, real oh no, quick. like players, players. Yeah, players, yeah. Players. Oh, dude, no. A, There's so you guys. MLB has the most injuries in any sport, like. But it's also because a lot of the times it's like the way the sport works. I feel like you guys have a lot of downtime, so you guys are all of a sudden like an outfielder. No wonder those fuckers pull hamstrings all the time because they're sitting still for like five, ten minutes and all of a sudden they're, they got to make a fucking dash run and get to top speed out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like that's, you're going to pull a fucking hammy. Yeah, I mean, when you, I, I feel like the majority of baseball injuries I guess aren't really related from being hit by pitches is more so it's just like, the thing about baseball is that like I don't really think any other time of uh, like sports have like time frames. Like baseball is really specific. We have a ten day DL. Sorry, it's not the DL anymore. It's not the disabled list anymore. It's the injured list. <laughs> um, we have a the ten day. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a forty day, uh, ninety day, and then you know day to day. But we have so many different forms, and I think that with the forty man roster. Anytime you have a person even get remotely injured, I'm doing air quotes, but uh, you take that person out, you just throw your other second baseman in, and, you know, if his thumb hurts because it got jammed, 
you take that guy out for a little bit. You know about outfielders. You know, they stand there, but they're probably stretched. So I think there's a really funny interview with Mookie Betts, who's the outfielder for the Red Sox, where he's on like MLB Net talking to them, and the uh, pop fly gets it to him, and he's running to the ball, and he, you can hear all the change and stuff he's got because he's got all the microphones on him, jingling in his pocket, and he tells the guy, like, oh, I'm not going to catch this. Yeah. Mookie Betts is... Good. I actually watched him in the postseason. Like that's when I generally will tune into baseball, like like seventh inning if the game's close, I'll tune in to whatever game's on and watch what's going on. Mm-hmm. But that's about the extent of my, I would say my baseball watching. I did get into it when the uh, Astros won it though. What what did it was there was the, it was the only sport on. And me and my buddy Briggs were watching it, and uh, it was the game between them and, fuck, I can't remember. I can't remember who they were playing. Maybe Red Sox? I don't know. But it was a game where it was like 12 to 11. There was like five home runs in two innings. (laughs) It was in or in one inning or something like that. It was insane. And then the Astros had like three back to back to back home runs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're talking about the uh, 2017 uh, postseason series. Yeah, it was two, and it was two years they ago. They were absolutely raw. Um, I can't remember who they was, played in that game though. In 2017, no, it was the Red Sox. It was the Astros and the Red Sox. And it was a absolute slugfest. But that Astros team was ridiculously good. Yeah. Wasn't Altuve won the MVP that year? Do you guys have two MVPs? Yes. Do you guys could do it like... Uh, actually, no, the NFL just does one MVP. Um, do, you, do you guys have two separate MVPs? like, Or do you guys have one overall one, too? Are you talking like for the entire league or if it's like an AL versus an ML? For the entire league. Do you like have an entire MLB MVP or do you guys just do AL and NL? No, it's AL and ML. AL and NL, excuse me. So like last year it was Nuki Betts for the American League and it was Christian Yellick for the National League. Gotcha. We do pretty much everything separate. So there's a Cy Young Frisch. Christian Yellick couldn't um, chug his beer at the game. I saw that shit was weak. Ugh. What about Christian Yellick? He tried to chug a beer. It was like I think it was the Raptors Bucks series, and he was <laughs> yeah. he tried to chug a beer and he couldn't do it. You could see his eyes watering because of the carbonation. <laughs> it's a sad time for him. And then Aaron Rodgers had an even worse showing. Yo, yeah, he couldn't even finish it. I was like, oh my god, come on, man. And it was a quarter of a beer the next time he actually did do it. Yeah. Right. Um. So, who's your player right now that you like in the league? Then, who's like your boy? Non non Boston. Oh, non Boston. Who's my boy right now in the league? Oh, that's a good one. Because my my majority of time is spent watching the Red Sox. I I gotta give shout out to okay two people. The first one would be that guy. the Rays because he is nice doing what good shout out to the guy on the Rays <laughs> you're doing great man no I'm looking at <laughs> no I'm looking at his name right now Austin Meadows Austin Meadows here we go um so 
sitting 354, which is stupid because nobody's hitting over 300 this season. Well, not nobody, but there's very minimal as opposed to last season with some of these batting averages. I got how many home runs? 12 on the season, 35 RBIs already. But the biggest reason I'm bringing him up is because I keep hearing everyone talk about the three people that we talked about all offseason, which is Bryce Harper and Mike Trout and the Padres guy, the one I like the least. Who do you think is the best player in the MLB right now? Uh, I think Christian Yelich's up there um, because he's on an absolute tear. I believe he still leads the league in home runs. He did it last week. So, But as far as defensively goes, he's been great. Offensively, he's got one of the highest lighting percentages right now, too. And then Cody Bellinger on the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger has been great offensively because he has been going back and forth with Christian Yelich for who leads the league in home runs. And then the other day, he had two assists from right field, and he's not even a right fielder. He's a first baseman, but they moved him to right field this season. And, again, not to challenge him in baseball knowledge, an assist is when an outfielder gets an out, basically, by throwing the ball from the outfield to the infield. Yeah. And just a cannon, dude, on a line, like just an absolute cannon. And it's fun to watch some of these young guys play because I don't know necessarily if I missed it when I was younger watching baseball or if I was just younger and so everyone was older to me watching some of these guys our age like make plays like that and then react the same way I know we would react is so cool it makes the game a little bit more like in tune makes the game a little more in touch um when like I just pulled up Bryce Harper's number he's in 248 I know Uh, I was looking that up before this before we before I called you um, I was looking that up and I was like, I'm not happy. Mike Trout to 276. Trout always oh has a, um, Trout always has a good batting average. Maybe. I feel like, I feel like he generally is a 270 above hitter. Don't get me wrong. No disrespect to Mike Trout because he probably is going to go down in history as one of the base baseball players we've ever seen if he continues doing what he's doing. I guess this is more just a shout-out to the fact that I feel like nobody's talking about the Rays still. And I don't even like the Rays. I hate Tropicana Field. Let me repeat that one more time. I hate Tropicana <laughs> Field. Oh, my God. I hate it. I hate that place so much. It is such a fucking it's pain in the ass. It's, it's a shit show. It's horrible to get to. It's pain falling apart. Don't it's... even get me started on the catwalks. Yeah. No. I remember when the Red Sox and the Rays played there uh, like my sophomore year of college and the Sox were good that season and I was at definitely not a sold out game because of the drops and no one likes to go but every single fan seemed like they were a Red Sox fan. Every single chant was Boston chant. Every single every single time we scored it seemed like Yeah but that's you know, Tampa sports in out. general except for the Lightning. Except for the Lightning, that's Tampa sports in general. You go to a Bucks game. I was there for the Eagles Bucks games like four, no, like five years ago, six years ago, and um, we were there, dude. There was probably ten to fifteen thousand Eagles fans. All I heard was the Eagles fight song. All I was hear- hearing was E A G L E S Eagles, like throughout the tunnels. Yep. Insane. I feel like that's just Tampa in general. Everyone's just like, eh. 
we'll start cheering when they're good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Except for the lightning. Yeah, I feel like they love the lightning. As of last season, with the amount of times that the home runs have hit off, 160 balls in the history of... That's 160 probable home runs that have been robbed from players. And also, who decided that Tropicana Fields rules should be if it bounces off of the rafters that it's in play? I just think it should be an automatic ground rule double, like pretty much everything else in life is. Yeah, that would make sense, right? I would think it should be a ground rule double, like if it bounced and went over. Because that that means you're if you're hitting it that high, you're fucking killing that. Like, you're crushing that. There's a there's a very good chance you're probably homering if it's not for that dome. Well, that's the whole thing, is that... You got guys that you're robbing home runs from multiple times because of mm-hmm. you know the, uh, the 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 crappy catwalks. Uh, Miguel Sano was the guy. I'm not that say his last name. It's probably a little bit different than that. It's got a little chicka thing over the L. But uh, <laughs> he uh, he plays for the Twins. Who also shouts out to the Twins because they're probably going to set the home run record. And that's awesome because fuck the Yankees. And I have anything that fucks with the Yankees is okay with me. Um, but he hit a home run the other day at a, or he didn't hit a home run, excuse me. He hit it off the speaker. There's a speaker that was hanging down from the catwalk and he ripped it off of it and then the shortstop caught it. That's just an out. And I just, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, I, w- I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't know why I hate it so much, but I do hate it. I mean, like, it was probably a great park, like, 20 years ago when it was built. And I'm pretty sure we're stuck with it till 2028 now. I think that's when they're not, they're allowed to vote on it again because it was supposed to move to Ebor and then it got struck down. Yeah, Manny Machado hitting 259 with nine home runs, making $30 million a year. Meanwhile, we got Austin Meadows in Tampa blasting 354. 35 ribbies. How many, home, how, many, how many home runs does he have? Meadows? Yeah. 12. It's not bad. I mean, it's more than Bryce Harper has. More than Bryce Harper has. Bryce Harper at 10. Yeah, Bryce Harper's got 10, right? Batting 248. Bryce Harper's on base percentage, though, is decent, isn't it? It's like 260 or 360. Bryce Harper's on-base percentage? Yeah. E40, it looks like. Yeah, let's see what Meadows is. I mean, obviously, got to be probably <laughs> higher than that, because if he's batting 350. I was about to say, it's over, it's over one, you know? He's 1.105. So at that point, what are we talking about? Slugging percentages are crap. Both under 500. You got Meadows... What is, explain to me the slugging percentage. I have no idea what the fuck that is. Slugging percentage is your opportunity to hit to the opposite field. Or your, uh, not your opposite field. Slugging percentage is any types of uh, hits that are over a, that are double or above. So think anything but a single. Mm. It's the total, so anything 
about a single is added into your slugging percentage. Like the definite, like not the definite, but like the definition of it is to measure your like productivity as a hitter. So it's total number of bases that you achieve minus all of your at bats. Yeah. So it's like finding. This is like the same way of finding your batting average, but instead they're just not tracking your singles for it, right? Yes, it, it's that it doesn't include walks or hit by pitches, so like singles of that nature. Yeah, and it's so, just very basic. It's just your very basic doubles, triples, homers only, right? Well, no, and if you hit a single, it's still going to be included in it. It's just that it doesn't include like walk on singles, like your on base percentage does, oh. like walks or being hit by pitch or like a. Uh, the thing I'm looking for here. Intentional walks. It's like a one, two, three, four system. So the formula would be for a single, you get one. For a double, it's, it's times two. For a triple, it's times three. And then for a home run, it's times four divided by your at-bat. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Honestly, yeah. dude, if you've ever looked up all of the like acronyms for baseball, they're pretty much endless. And not there's too many, but I mean, like, there's things in baseball sometimes get so wildly specific. I got to imagine. Well, and it's funny, too, because even as someone that avidly watches baseball, like, sometimes I'll be sitting next to my brother at a game, and they'll put up on the screen, and they're like, you know, this guy's CBO, or his, uh, uh, his, his, his GRSL, and I'm like, what are GRSL? And I'm like, how much? And then I have to think about it for a second, and I'm like, is it Grand Slams? And then you gotta look it up real quick. So they were the big ones, are you know? What's up? What were what was it for? It was this grand slam percentage. Huh? What was the average GSL? Didn't you just say it was like an average? You were like you had to look it up. GSL grand slam, or either. Oh yeah, you know, like GR GRSL is like literally like numbers of grand slams. Like GIDP, the amount of times you've grounded into double plays. So I remember when I first got into like high school, and I was had to like be taught baseball as far as because like in little league, you know, you go out there and you hit the ball and you throw the ball, and they teach you about arm position and bat position, but nobody like sits you down and like talks strategy with you because it's little league. Yeah. <laughs> but I had this whole classroom aspect where we would go into the clubhouse and, you know, we would sit there and talk about strategy. We would sit there and we would talk about some of these things in greater detail. And I remember the first time being in there and being like, oh, my gosh, you know, I've always, like, I've always known batting average. I've always known home runs. I've always known ERA. And I'm like, but it seems like I might need to study this a little bit. Maybe learn, learn a little bit more about this. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I see why, though, they do have, like, weird stats for that, though. 
I mean, I feel like baseball is like the one sport where, I mean, basketball, you see it a little bit, but there's only so much where I feel like baseball, it's kind of like endless. Cause you can, you can line up stats on, um, you know, you could line up stats on where he's hits most often through a certain pitch where he hits on another pitch and then so on and so on. And then do the same thing for another pitch. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just for one aspect. And that's just that, like you would have, you could have 40 stats just for that one guy's batting like direction. And then you could have another 40 stats or something else for another part of his game. Really is very analytical. I think um, a lot of the sports, and actually baseball is one of the most numbers driven. I don't want to say most numbers driven because I don't want to like offend any statisticians in those sports, but I think proven by the amount of types of statistics that are, statistics that are taken and also by the people that have exploited those statistics, like really being at those Oakland days. Uh, it shows that like the numbers of baseball actually speak to results. Whereas I feel like a lot of times with like basketball players, for example, you can speak all you want about stats, but at the end of the day, basketball players always default to like, don't talk to me about stats. It's different. You know, once we're there, it's different. But with baseball, it's not really like that. Like the numbers pretty much don't lie. Yeah. I would say also it's probably because your sample size is so much bigger too. I mean, your sample size is almost what is like 80 games more than the next most played sport. Well, yeah, I mean, isn't uh, the NBA 82 games? Yeah, so and you have like another, what, 82 80? Exactly. I was about to say, it's basically just doubled another 80 games after that. So it's like your numbers are just going to, your sample size is going to be so huge. So it's like your your average is going to be more and more true. The more, right? The bigger the sample size, the more true your numbers are going to be because it's just, I don't know, like that's just how averages work. <laughs> it's just how it is. And they've been talking about, talking about shorting MLB seasons forever. Do you think they will? I don't think they will. And I think owners are not going to want that because it's they know they're not selling out games. So owners are like, well, this is how we're going to make a lot of money and be able to play pay these fat salaries is because we're collecting money for 162 games. Yeah, not a lot of people are showing up, but we're still making a lot of money off of 10,000 people showing up. You know? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this year... I mean, it just, I think I just saw this. I'm actually looking it up right now. Yeah, MLB attendance down 1.4% again. Yeah, at year. that point, you're more than likely to extend the season than, <laughs> than cut well, it. Well, I don't know. other side of that coin is if there's less games, maybe people are more enticed to go because there's less of a... less of a... Well, I guess there's more of a need to go. But like, what example, are you going to... The Red Sox already been to town. But think about that. The Red Sox already been to town twice, but they might... I already know they're going to come again, so I haven't really been worried about it. But think about the... Think about what we're talking about, though. You're talking about cutting down 162... It's 162-game season. 
what are you going to cut that down to? 130? That's still a lot of fucking games. People are, I, I, I mean, your attendance I, might go up, but I don't know that it's going to be a lot because that's still a lot of games. So people are going to look at it as like, yeah, they cut a lot out, but like we still have a lot of opportunities to go to these games. Yeah, it would definitely, I mean, like it would definitely be a huge system switch. I think that. I think if you went from like 162 to 100, that's probably where you'd see an increase. It ended up being some weird arbitrary number, like 112 or like 108 or something like that. But yeah, just right around there is probably <laughs> totally what I think that people are more like 102. For. I think the other thing that it messes with is just like the timing of the year. Because if you shorten the season, do you keep the season the same length? Like do you start it in April and end it in October still? and put more time in between games so that you allow players like that to rehab and like cut down on travel or whatever. Or then do you also like shorten your season in which case like it's not Oktoberfest anymore. So do you move, did you push the start? No, I would think, I I would think what you said is they would probably extend games a little bit, but then they probably would also add um, more people to like, they probably would add two more teams to the playoffs and have a whole like instead of just one wild card game, you'd probably have like uh, football where you have an actual wild card series, and then that would extend it too, and then so you'd have like four teams playing in a wild card series, then the winners go play the NLDS, and then your CS, and then the World Series. Yeah, I think that's what you'd probably see, and extended travels and rest days because of that. I think that's what they would do. Because if you're going to shorten the season, I think they, I just see them, they probably just adding more teams to the playoffs. Yeah, because I just don't see them changing the actual time frame of the season. I just feel like that's going to... I agree, like the, because a lot of the draw of baseball, too, is like you said, you know, the whole Mr. October. It's uh, baseball, you know, is always kind of like coming to a head We're in October, forward, like know? the fall, yeah. Because we still have the summer, and there's summer ball, and you can always watch baseball come summer. Even though baseball games in Florida during the summer are, like, Awful. Stupid hot. Awful. Just not fun. Hence the dome. It's just, it, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it doesn't go well. We just, we're not mad with a dome idea, just that dome particularly. Yeah, just the drop in general. Like, for example, isn't Miami inside? I heard that stadium's okay. We need to. I think it's. I think it's half covered. I think it's like a half covered field. Does it have one of those moving? I, I, it's either that or it's like the only part of the um feet, like the only part of the stadium that's not covered is like the field itself. That'd be so weird, though. And I'm not saying that to you. I'm just saying that, like, if that's the way that it's set up, like... It's one of the two. One I, I do on, just know, know that they have, like, open areas. So I think it's, like, I think it's like a uh, retractable roof, like you said, or it's, like... Because in uh, Europe, they have that for, like, the soccer fields. They'll have, like... Um, the out like the top structures of it will go all the way to the soccer like the field's edge obviously if it's whipping in a different direction it doesn't but generally it'll like go to the um like the field's edge and then only the field will be uncovered yeah 
So yeah, I know what you mean. I'm pretty sure that's what the Toronto Blue Jays stadium does too. I, I think they have a retractable roof too, though, don't they? I don't know. A retractable roof? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's retractable. I wonder how long those things take to retract. I got to imagine like an hour because those things are not fucking light. It's, you can't just whip that thing Jeez. back. Like that, I got to imagine it's like an all day. Than that, though. I got to imagine it's faster than that though because like if it's open and then weather's coming and you need to close it, I can imagine if you can close it while people are inside. I probably take that long. Yeah, probably an hour was a bit ridiculous, but at least 10 minutes. 10-15. At least 10. <laughs> big, big difference in the two, uh, two times that I put out there. But I think when I circled the wagons and I really thought about it, 10 minutes is probably the most realistic. <laughs> probably the most realistic time frame. Max 15 of the guys you know. Just kind of fucking around. Imagine how pissed you'd be if you owned a stadium and you ordered a, a retractable roof and it took an hour to open and close. I'd be pissed as shit. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the worst. That would be the worst. They're like, Vehicles Jesus that would be like Christ. if the sunroof in your car took 15 minutes to open. All right, guys. Uh, game's going to start in a half hour. And Oh, my God. Who didn't start putting the, the roof back? Great, we're going to be the first half hour of the game is just going to be, you're going to hear the roof going backwards. We're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's just loud as shit, too. The whole time, it's like, <laughs> for yes. an hour of the sports experience. Yo, these pitchers are just furious. The batters can't concentrate. <laughs> the organist is trying to play over it. Just makes it worse. Oh, my God, it'd be awful. Uh, that would be funny though. That would be an experience. I would be laughing at that. I would never go back because I'd be like, that was the worst experience ever, but very funny <laughs> being able to look back on it. Do you, remember, do you remember watching the Super Bowl? I think it was the Ravens when all the lights went out. <laughs> the blackout? Every time I'm, yes, every time I'm ever in like a, a dome stadium ever, I always think about that. I'm always like, if all the lights went out here, it would literally be pitch black. Just like at the uh, crazy, I cannot believe it happened at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it was a long delay too. It was like what thirty something minutes. Well, yeah, because the lights like half came back on, and then like they didn't want to play with half lights. Which I get. I yeah, get I guess it. I get because you know the fucking Super Bowl. Do you think there's one switch? Do you think there's one giant kill switch for the entire stadium? And, like, not that it was pressed, but do you think it exists just to turn it all off? Because that's literally what it seemed like happened. That the whole thing just stopped. I gotta imagine there's... I gotta imagine there's an overall kill switch. Because, like... I mean, it's gotta be, like, one of those things, like, right, where... What if you needed it? Like, what if you needed it? It would be better to have the ability to mass turn, like, you know, turn everything off with one kill switch and then, like, then to not have one and need it, you know? So I've got to imagine they would. I just kill switches outside of the outside of 7 Eleven that are always, like, push here to stop everything. I'm looking at this and crying car like. Exactly. See, if 7 Eleven's going to have one, I, I definitely think, like, maybe not in the Tropicana's. Um, 
you know, I would say maybe not the Tropicana is like field. I was going to say in these, in these billion dollar facilities, the Tropicana doesn't really fall into this field, but you know, the one in New Orleans, I would definitely say uh, probably might have one. I was in Tropicana Field, which you, you tweeted to me. <laughs> I'm going to find it. I'm going to ruin a race game. I got to... Maybe not. Austin Meadows is up there. But yeah, after that, not right? when Austin Meadows is up to bat because we need his average to stay up. Literally any other time, though. Dude, 354. I mean, that'll obviously go down, but I mean, that's like... That's pretty. That's in fucking insane because they've only played fifty games, so he still has a hundred something games more to go. Um, but damn, that's like that pitcher. Do you remember this Rockies pitcher? Years ago, started out the season. He had like a sub one, like point one ERA. He was like at like point nine or point oh nine something ERA for like it's like his first seven eight starts or some shit like that. This was like five, six years ago, probably. He started up the season. Ubaldo, are you talking about Ubaldo Jimenez? Maybe. I don't know. He, yeah, Ubaldo Jimenez played for the Rockies, and he had a, he had some killer years there. Ubaldo Jimenez used to be so good in the old 2K games. When my brother and I would do fantasy drafts, he would be one of the first people we picked because his pitching was so good. How long? How long do pitchers normally like a pitcher's? I guess career top physical performance gonna be? Because I mean, you see, like for instance, Justin Verlander. I feel like he was hot for like four years, and then he just took a fucking massive turn downhill. And then who's that guy? Um, you or you or something like that, the Asian uh, pitcher. I feel like he was good for like maybe two, three years, and then he's now just kind of like eh, decent. How long? Like, what, what's the average length for those guys? Uh, I mean, it depends because I think that, like, you know, for example, like Verlander is one of those special pitchers that's been pitching hard for years. Um, I think that people, again, man, as much as I hate to say it, Jason Sebastia has a great career of being a swinger for a long time. No, oh, he took um, a But not massive. everyone does it, and that's why you don't have, you know, a ton of those names to bring up. Uh, I would say a lot of these pitchers have a good, like, four or five years in their arms. And, again, it kind of goes back to what we were saying the other day about, not the other day, excuse me, earlier, but uh, about home runs. Um, and how many home runs are being hit. The pitchers are throwing harder and harder. And so now you're expecting your starting pitchers to be throwing upper 90s, touching the 100s every now and then. And, you know, you can only do that so long with your arm. Uh, Chapman, uh, the the closer for the Yankees, how long can he do it? I don't know. Like, how long can you throw 100 miles an hour? He's done it. For a couple seasons, but how much longer do you have? And I Chapman's, think at some point, Chapman's been in the MLB for a while, though, hasn't he? I don't know how long. I don't know when he got drafted. Find out. I feel like he's been in. I feel like he's been in the league for ten plus years. How was Chapman? See when he was drafted. Just tell me when he was drafted. Oh yeah, look at that. Back in. 
But he, I remember, I only think I remember this because I remember seeing him when he first came out and he was throwing a 92 mile an hour change up or a, a 90 mile an hour change up after his 103 fastball. Like, <laughs> your change up is low 90 because your fastball's creeping on 100 every time you throw it. But I remember he was only like a raw talent back then. And I, I got to imagine his first two, three years, he probably wasn't playing very many games. Yeah, inning pitch has always been low for him because he's always been relieved for a closer. But, I mean, even, I would even like to go back to 2010, 11, 12 and try to, like, make sure that he was, like, hard back then too because I wasn't following him. I think I mostly picked up on him when he got to Chicago in his last four years. He's been with New York. But most guys don't have that longevity to their arm. You start seeing them adapt to new pitches uh, as far as not being centered around only throwing hard fastballs. Uh, a pitcher like that that I like kind of saw gradually decline over time like that was Josh Beckett. Josh Beckett got traded to us from, I believe he came from us from the Marlins. And he won a championship with Marlins. Uh, but he started as this slinger. And he got hurt for a bit and he came back and it was just so clear that he had to extend what types of pitches he's going to throw out to some new pitches because you just can't keep doing that to your arm. It's definitely not, like, your arm motion is definitely not normal for that. Like, your arm is not meant to to fling back like that and be able to rocket launch something at that rate for that many times, for that many years. I mean, it's it's just not, it's like, I mean, because Tommy John, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tommy John's surgery, right, is when you repair, and it's these people who are pretty much like blowing out their elbows. Yeah, to my best understanding of Tommy John surgery, it's that tendon that stretches from the bottom part of your like forearm across your elbow to the top part of your arm. That's doing what you're saying. It's doing that crazy bend that your arm's not supposed to do. And that just snaps. Oh, I got it. Tear it and snap it. Uh, it's it's something that has to be surgically repaired. Oh yeah. Uh, I think they have to take like I'm pretty sure they take a part of your tendon. And they put it where that tendon should have been because your muscles heal in the way that you can have your tendons kind of replaced by a healthy tendon threaded through the holes of the other one. But, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy because a lot of the time you're, you're ripping that muscle either off the bone or just tearing it enough to not be able to pitch anymore. And again, more and more pitchers are having time to do on surgery. More and more pitchers are throwing harder. Oh, way more common. It's way more common now. But you know what? You see it in basketball too. It's like how many times people are coming back with blown out knees. People are blowing your knees out left and right, I feel like, in the NBA now or breaking their ankles. Dude, a blown out knee in the early 2000s, the late 90s, like stuff like that, it wasn't as common. It happened, but was not as common. I feel like now everybody in the NBA is blowing their knees out. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, also I think you can blame them on how the game kind of changed a little bit where you got more people driving, especially during the early 2000s. Way more to, explosive. 
exactly been in. Like now we are in this age of, of three pointers, and I think we're almost moving away from. <laughs> it's funny we're moving away from knee injuries. We're moving toward calf injuries because players are just coming down and other people's feet. Dude, yeah, I mean, also these players are just so fucking flexible too. I mean, that also plays a part in it. When you're putting that much torque onto your body and you're jumping up that high and then you add into the fact that your limbs are now super flexible and are going to be able to bend in ways that, you know, better than other people's are, which is good in some areas, but also can be bad, like when you're being super explosive. And, dude, they jump up and then they can land. They can land a little awkward, but sometimes, like, you land a little awkward, you're not strong enough, or your knee just bends just a little too much, and then snaps. And you're just like, fuck. Like, it, dude, it's nasty. I mean, I've seen players, I remember, I'll never forget, I was, like, in ninth grade watching Florida State play some, I think it was North Carolina State. And this outside linebacker, dude, he's just, he's holding up the outside, right? The play's not even coming in his direction. It's going the opposite way. But he comes downhill to hold his edge, and as he goes to put his foot in the ground to stop, his knee just snaps inwards. And it, dude, no contact, nothing. Doesn't do any. Doesn't hit anybody. Just plants his foot. His knee bends inwards, snaps, blows his knee out. I was like, Jesus, fuck, man. Cannot do knee injuries, man. Oh hell no. I don't have that in me. I, I freak out, man. My knee's been hurting me lately, and I do think it's just simply because I'm not f- flexible right now, and I'm freaking out that I'm like, I've already torn my meniscus. I hate it. <laughs> I always stretch my knees. I know mean, it sounds so weird, but I just try to like stretch the sides, and I kind of like, try to bend my leg in a little bit of a weird way, just like get that little bit of like a torque to it yeah. before I use them, just to make sure that I'm not like surprising them. <laughs> you gotta wake them up sometimes. Wake him up a little bit. Yeah. Slap him around. But that, dude, um, I'll never forget. I was talking to one of my buddies, too, about like kind of like the chill aspect of baseball was um, like you were, we were talking earlier about how people can just kind of get injured all the time, too. And that made me think of like how chill baseball just is. Like, you ever go to a baseball game, you see those 15 guys on the bench, they're just spitting seeds, playing grab ass with each other. And then they're probably getting paid 20k for this game. <laughs> like, Dude, 40 man roster. So you have 40 man roster. You got nine people that play. <laughs> it's just so chill, especially like a pitcher, because you don't have to play. I mean, what are pitchers playing in? Like a great pitcher in the MLB, they're probably starting what 28 games, 30 maybe. Even I mean, like it's it's all, yes. You are correct, but it's all rotation. You know, like even great pitchers typically don't get to pick their rotation. Most teams are going to have a five man or a four man, but usually a five man starting pitcher rotation. And it just, you know, if you've got a game Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Monday, you're going to pitch on Monday, and the next time you're pitching is Monday, just because that's the next time you come up in rotation. So that's what I'm saying, man. The that's just so funny. That's just so funny because, like, as a pitcher, you just know. I mean, think about that. 30 out of 162 games, you're not playing 132 games. And with all the breaks and everything, you're pretty much chilling for 140, 50 games or 50 days. You're just like, what's up? (laughs) 
you do your job well, you're only playing in 55 to 60% of, of those 30 games. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then someone else comes to do the rest of your job, and you just get to be the good guy that gets to go sit on the bench. And then if you guys continue to win, the cameraman keeps flashing back to the starting pitcher. They're like, look at the good job. <laughs> look at him. He's in a hoodie with ice on his elbow. <laughs> I'll never forget. So there's this video. I'm sure you've seen it. What uh, shit baseball players say on YouTube. Um, so, so three of those guys in the video went to my high school. I was actually really good buddies with one of them. Um, and then the other two, like I was mutual friends with. I was They're like cool people. Um, and so they're the ones, they like all created that. And I'll never forget the line. They're all, why is so-and-so not practicing? And he's all, he's a pitcher. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> uh, I loved it. It was funny. When, was I was in a, when I was in high school, we had what we were called POs. And a lot of teams have POs, which is pitcher only. And once you get to like a bigger type league or, you know, any type of actual like professional league, you're just going to be a pitcher. You're not going to have any other type of specifications. But on like a lot of my high school clubs and like a lot of teams that play like travel ball, you would have people that would be addressed as POs or pitcher only. And man, they did. They thought they were some special shit. They would sit on the sidelines while we would be doing drills, and everyone be like, "What are you doing?" And it's like, yeah, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do fielding drills because I'm a PO, pitcher only. <laughs> Word. God, you guys are such snobs. Oh. Hey, man, baseball players aren't snobs. It's just that it's not our fault when you get a label like P.O., you know, and then you don't have to do anything in practice. You kind of turn into a snob. I was never a P.O., though. Something that's never good in a picture, but that's okay. How does your, uh, how does, as like a pitching, how does it change when you have somebody on base who you just know who's going to steal? Do you normally, like, do you not necessarily maybe change your way you're pitching to him, but more, like, where you're going to pitch the ball? Oh, yeah. So, most people are going to steal on the first or second pitch. Yeah. And so, and you know, too. I mean, like, as a pitcher, we were just talking about that, too, about you know who's coming up to bat. If they get on base, you know they're going, or if they're not going. And they're realistically, with the way that baseball is being played these last two, two, three seasons, they're going. Um, I love steals. Stealing is probably... Probably one of my favorite aspects of baseball. I used to love stealing when I played baseball. It was always my goal to be given the green light uh, as far as like signs go. As soon as you get to first base, I didn't want to have to look at the coach and decide whether or not he gets to let me go. Like I just wanted to know that I was allowed to steal because that's fast enough. And I, it was pretty much always achieved. But man, stealing is just it's such a cool aspect to the game because it's, oh man, it's just this, this whole this whole part of your anxiety as you're standing there creeping more and more off the base and the pitcher's looking you back more and more and the whole time you had the first baseman John shit to you. That's another great part of playing first base. Uh, Josh shit the whole time the people leaped off. It is a standoff. Uh, you definitely approach it uh, as a pitcher. Uh, there's a lot of uh, if you pitch outs if you know someone's going to steal and you are willing to waste the pitch on it. Um, so you'll set the catcher up to basically catch it and fire it just in hopes that you're going to call the fact that that guy's going to steal. And then also you're not going to throw a lot of low breaking balls when you know you got a guy stealing because 
Oh yeah, it it's generally you kind of want to throw it to the little bit of the outside, right? So your pitcher can get out of his stance quicker, or catcher. Not, I think I say catcher. Yeah, your catcher, but yeah, and that's kind of like pitching out. But again, you also got to address the fact that you're pitching to this guy, and a lot of times, you know, teams have constructed their uh, their lineup so that they do get their first guy on base. The second guy that's up to bat is a pretty unavoidable. Yeah, generally it's going to be a really good hitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, man, as far as stealing goes, I remember nothing being more exciting and getting on first base and looking at the pitcher's heel or looking at the pitcher's toe, waiting for him to move. That would be intense because that, that would be just, a, I mean, that's just a pure standoff. Well, and also they're firing it at you as fast as they can and you dive back to the base. And so it's just this whole part of you're trying to get as far away as you can so you can get the best jump you can so that you can steal the base. You're also playing this mind game with the pitcher because you know you're stealing. He thinks you're stealing. But I, uh, I remember learning about how to properly steal the base, like what to watch for and Every coach I've ever had was like, you were way too tall to be taking small leads. And so I would take eight-foot, nine-foot leads. I'd always tell my friends on my teams when they would take little bitch leads. When they got back in the dugout, I'd be like, you could have fallen down and gotten back in the base. Let's go. <laughs> that adds the whole thing to it, too. Because, you know, you go, like, you go 30 or 40 times on base where you have never been picked off. And you're like, I'm going to fucking get 10 or 12 feet away from this shit and see what happens. I'm going to see if I can make it back. Uh, my buddy, one of my best friends, Tucker, he was telling me in high school his baseball coach was just a fucking dick to him and all the players that uh, he was like, if you ever got caught looking on your third strike, he would, as you were walking back to the dugout, he'd be like, hey, man, next time you could just leave the bat in here. You don't have to worry about going up there with it. Oh, <laughs> I would like you some would of my go. Coaches throughout the years are some of the biggest dicks I've ever met, but you know they're good coaches. Giant assholes. It was so funny, and he was like, or you would go be walking out to your next at bat, and he'd be like, "What are you doing? Leave that in here. You didn't need it last time either." And oh my god, he would just rip into them. Yeah, that's like the history of pretty much any baseball coach ever. Any good baseball coach pretty much talks shit to you more than any other person on the field would or will. Do those, like, um, base coaches ever talk shit to you guys, too? Like, when you'd be, like, on first base or third base or something like that, do they talk shit to the players at all? Well, you're, well, not really. I mean, like, because your base coach is usually just going to talk to you, and then you're going to, like, you're going to job with the person on first base. Uh, and that was really only in high school that it was like that, because at Babe Ruth, you still know everybody. So, like, a lot of times the person playing first base is still my friend. But in high school, it was a totally different world. In high school, it was way more. Yeah, you didn't know the other school. You didn't know that. Yeah, and you didn't give a fuck who they were anyway. You're like, fuck off. I always loved that in high school. I always loved playing on the road. I don't know why. 
I I played better on the road than I did at home. I just I loved I loved being on the road. It was fun. Some of my best like games in high school. Too. We had a lot of fields that were better fields than ours, even though we had a nice home field. Uh, a lot of the high schools around us just had like ridiculously nice diamonds, and their grass would be like they'd have someone that was dedicated to just taking care of the baseball field. And they'd go there, and that shit would look professional. We got. Our our basketball court wasn't like great. It was our junior year, my junior and senior year. Um, we got we had a really nice court. Our basketball program got like a whole new court. We also were a basketball school, so we got like that. All the school's money came from our basketball program. We were we were good. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, like we had we held camps twice a year, almost three times a year. I mean, we were like a notorious basketball school um, in Northern California for a number of years. So that's like we were selling out. So that's like where we were able to get a lot of money. And then so we finally got a new court my junior year. It was nice. But, um, yeah, we definitely had other schools that we would go to that were had really nice, really nice courts. Except for Nevada Union. Nevada Union's was trash. <laughs> they were... <laughs> fucking everybody hated playing up in Nevada Union. So Nevada Union was like what we called the mountain school. They were it's like a 45-minute drive up into the hills. It was not like in the deep mountains. But we just told them. they. We just basically called them that. They were the Nevada Union miners. And we would play some of our worst games up there. Their, their court was like dark. It felt like you were in a 1950s basketball like court and arena it, I felt like I was in the movie Hoosiers like it was just you hated it it was so fucking terrible up there and then they were like just this big strong guys they were all we call them like mountain men we were like god we always make jokes they'd be like they just got done cutting trees and then they came to play us and they they were like all over 6'3", nobody like super, super tall, like nobody like 6'9", like anything like that. It was like 6'3", to 6'6", but they were all 6'3", to 6'6". Like every fucking one of them (laughs) was 6'3", to 6'6". Not one person under 6'3". And then they would play a fucking 2-3 zone and they would just slow the game down. They would grind you out and you were just like, it was super physical and you were like, ugh, fucking hated playing Nevada Union and their arena sucked. And that was, that was a popka for us. We always used to hate going to a popka because a popka, especially like little league all the way to high school, man, everyone that played over there was like six feet from like the time I was like 10. And then like when I got in high school, everyone was like six inches taller than that. They just had big, burly bitches out there all the time. And I was like, where do you people come from? You guys just make a team of the strongest people you know. <laughs> but they would just crank them on us, man. I remember I used to hate going to a popka when we were in little league because... It was like the Hawaii of the Little League World Series. It was like for some reason these kids in Apopka were homegrown to play baseball. Jeez. Damn. It's always funny, too, um, when you always come up with a team. Like we played uh, at De La Salle one time, and I just remember that team, too. Like those guys were just big. They all looked like they were in college. You ever get those teams where you just see them and you're like, 
holy fuck, man. You guys did some people like just passing out flyers. Like if you're a big, strong athlete, come audition and come try out like, holy shit. Yeah, like how did these teams get put together? <laughs> like how did they find all of you? What is it? Someone blow a conch and you guys just all assembled. I mean, my God, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It is the same way with baseball. When I was really getting old and playing on club teams, because like our club team would be like a couple people that played on high school teams and then a couple people that like weren't good enough to be on high school teams. And then we'd go play these other club teams and they'd all just be fucking rock stars. And I'm like, where did you come from? Is this just a high school team just playing travel ball together? <laughs> it's like every single one of them was set to go to college on a full ride. And we were just fucking around trying to play travel ball. We'd get whomped. Who was the high school in your area that, uh, for baseball that was, I guess, notorious for, like, pumping out, like, just, like, D1 athletes and, like, MLB stars? Or players, I should say. Did you have, like, a um, notorious school for that? I don't think we had anyone that was notorious for it. So, I think it's Winter Springs High School. Let me think about this just for one more second before I confirm that. I'd be lying the I'm going to look it up right now. Jason Veritek graduated from their high school, and he actually made a pledge after he made it big that he would give the school $100,000 if they fire the coach because he hated the coach so much. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, that's who I know has put out him and then one other, I see. Blake Bramley. There we go. Blake Bramley High School, which is also like right next to It's actually our rival high school. They weren't good when I was in high school. We were way better than them. But Jason Baratek played there. And I'm trying to see right now if I can find out, but there was one other uh, MLB star I know that's graduated from Lake Bramley High School. Uh, but he ended up dead giving the school the $100,000, which was uh, a pretty funny thing that went down. What age can you kind of just tell where you're just like, all right, that guy's going to the league or at least like a D1 school? What age were you able to like tell in baseball where you're like, all right, that guy's just next level? Um, I mean, like, uh, you, you know about like 12 or 13, like the kids that were good. I remember that there were, I mean, I'm pretty sure you know this too. Like there are just people that stood out that you knew were better and that were going to be better. They were just kids that had it. And... Yeah, but for basketball, it was like... For me, in basketball, it was like 16. 16, you could tell, like, whether that kid was going to go D1 or not. Because, like, 12 or 13, people... There was people who were 12 or 13 who were just, like, incredible kids, but, like, then they would stop growing. Or they... You know, in basketball, that mattered a lot, where you would just stop growing. Where, like, in baseball, I guess I guess it's different, because in baseball, I mean, you see 5'8 fuckers out there all the time. Basketball, 5'8 and 12 years old is great. 5'8 and 17 is not, not very productive for your, your game. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, it just affects you more. It's like, at 16, 17, you generally can tell who's going to be that D1 athlete. You're like, all right, that guy's 
good. Or you get the rare Cajun, like we had a kid on our team, Brendan Lane, who's a year above me. He was like six seven by the time he was like thirteen. So you're like, okay. And he loved basketball and he was good. So you're like, okay, he's going D one. Like you knew at twelve years old at that point. But like some of these guys, like, I don't know, they're I I would say it took a while because some people were late bloomers, i.e. like Anthony Davis, who grew super like what he grew like what eight inches after his sophomore year, something like that. Um and then, yeah, so I don't know. These players' bodies don't really – you can kind of tell by 16-17 for basketball. And their athleticism's finally, like, starting to really come through. And, you, yeah, mm. nasty athletes. But baseball probably is super young, huh? It looks like the only discernible person that Lake Mary High School has produced for the MLB recently is a guy named Brendan Rogers. We actually got drafted here pretty recently, back in 2015, by the Rockies, and he still plays for the Rockies. They should respect him. I think our school was pretty good. Like, we were actually, it was so funny because we were not a baseball school, but we were actually really good at baseball. I think my, I think my class, like, through my four years in high school, our varsity team won won like the section title like three out of the four years or something like that um they were really really good but i don't know that they produced like any true fucking uh, our school was really good at women's and men's soccer and tennis and golf Did you like batting more than pitching? I liked pitching probably the least of all. I did pitching, and that's not sure, not least of all, because I did it because I liked to do it, but it was the thing that like ultimately led to my baseball demise, so my thoughts on it now are if I ever have a kid, I will never let him be a pitcher. But I feel like I that's what everybody point. says, I short, too. I got a short stop coming, so we're good. Um, <laughs> I'm not actively coming, just so everybody knows that it's not at all what I was trying to just tell you there. But uh, that would be a super funny way for me to tell one of my best friends on his podcast that your soon-to-be wife Wood is pregnant. <laughs> we're just expecting a, a, a child. Yeah, not by any means. But uh, in the future, future, there will be a shortstop. And he's going to be great. And he's going to be, you know, it's just everything I could never see. Well, yeah. But he won't be a pitcher, and that's what the big thing is here, you know, is that he won't be a pitcher. Um, batting versus fielding, I definitely like playing defense more um, because at first base, like, everything came back to me. So, like, most of the plays were made at first base, and so I really like being involved in that. Um, I was a good hitter, <laughs> first, though, I think, arguably. First base is just and like so the center of football. That's all that is. You guys are like... Yeah, technically, right, like everything's got to come through me. Technically, the center in the NFL touches the ball every play, but he's not exactly <laughs> the guy who's getting all the attention and star and praise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There have only been like a handful of like standout first basemen. I mean, I can't. Yeah, like Ryan Howard. I don't. I don't. That's all I can really think of, and I don't really think of him I mean, as like, like a great first baseman. I think of him as a great hitter. I mean, like, some of, like, 
I like you could say that Kevin Euclid was a great first baseman. Frank Thomas was a great first baseman. Uh, Gary played first base. Wasn't like, Albert Pujols? Like, wasn't Albert Pujols first baseman? Okay, is first base is first base really that hard to play? I feel like it. I don't feel like there's much to first base. I mean, like, have you ever tried to pick someone throwing a ball that's arguably like 95 miles per hour out of the dirt? No, I haven't. That's why I'm asking you. Um, (laughs) I'm saying, like, from my the way I look at it is like it doesn't seem like out of all the out of all the positions defensively. It seems like it would be the least challenging. So I make a slight disagreement with that, just because first of all, you got to be a little bit flexible on the fact that like you have to be able to stretch out for the ball and the timing. For the that is ball. true, and that like, is something I could never do. I am about as flexible as a cinder block. The only time I've been flexible in my life is when I play first base. <laughs> but the other part is, you know, those picks, man. You 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 watch first basemen and you watch professionals do it all the time and so I don't know if we take it for granted but it is so hard sometimes to take a baseball because the thing is that if you watch in the next you know baseball game you watch the in ball October. coming in skips usually two feet or one foot from your glove and so you have to make the judgment of where it's going to bounce if it's bouncing off the grass or bouncing on the clay is it hard clay is it soft clay is it hard grass long grass and so I remember for like the first season I played first base growing up trying to and speaking with coaches about how to properly time and figure out how to catch these these wild throws coming in the other thing too is like not just always standing on top of the base but being willing to leave the base to catch the ball and then trying to beat the guy back to the base I remember that being like one of those mind blowing moments of baseball when they were like just take your foot off the first base I was like they're like, yeah, just, just leave the base and catch the ball and then tag the runner. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. Is So then what do you think is the least challenging position? The least challenging position? Yeah. Center? Because cool. all they got to be is fast? No, I mean, like, if I had to pick, like, one of the fields, I would say it's probably right field but like that's so disrespectful to like every right fielder like I've literally spoken about three right fielders today with Christian Yellick, Cody Bellinger and Ricky Betts some of the greatest players in baseball right now you know and not to say it's a boring position but I mean like if you can run fast and if you have a good arm and if you can catch the ball I mean you should be an outfielder I always struggle with being an outfielder because I have bad eyes and I have really not bad depth perception, but what would happen is if I was wearing my glasses, if a ball got hit in the air, I'd usually be looking above my glasses to see the ball. And in that instant, it's going to move just a little bit. And then in the ball coming back down and it goes through the, the frame of my glasses back into where my vision is, assisted by my glasses, again, it's going to have that tiny second where it moves again. And so I always struggled as an outfielder, um, even with contacts, but I was much better at first base and being able to like, track those. So I'd have to probably right or left field is probably the easiest, just based on the fact that you probably just need to be fast, good at catching things. 
Hmm. Yeah, I got to imagine being a first baseman now thinking about it as you just described it more as soon as you threw that 96 or 90 mile an hour ball coming at you. I got to imagine that's got to be a lot like being a goalie at that point where you just kind of hoping to keep the ball in fucking front of you. Right, and that's the other thing too is unlike a pitcher that's wheeling the ball as hard as they can at a, uh, like a target and they are not rushing to do so, you have someone that's fielding a ball and knowing that they have four seconds or less usually, four and a half seconds or less, to get the ball, pick up the ball, and throw it to you, and the ball has to travel there. Um, and so, you know, they're sidearming and throwing it as hard as they can or throwing it from their knees, throwing it on the move. Um, and so now you have to, like, make up for any types of errors for those throws. And sometimes it comes at you weird, and you have to make an adjustment about how you're going to catch it. But I almost like watching um, one of my favorite types of first baseman to watch is softball players. The softball World Series is on right now. And, man, the girl sophomore first baseman, I mean, obviously they're a little bit more flexible than us typically, but they do some of the craziest shit to get these outs, man. It is honestly so impressive sometimes <laughs> to watch these girls catch these fucking balls because also it's a softball. And softball, we obviously know, is a little bit bigger. But these girls are whipping these softballs over to these girls, and they are making these nasty picks and saves while it's full split. And, you know, not a lot of MLB players can do the full split, but... Insane. Oh, yeah. My groin just tightened up just thinking about doing that. Oh, I feel like I would. I would. I would. I would definitely tear my groin if I had to dig out a ball at first base. Yeah, I mean, I used to get out into a stretch and then I'd like jump my way out of it, so I didn't have. If, I'd be the biggest diva if I was a first baseman. I'd be like, if you're not throwing me it right between the numbers, I'm not doing anything with it. <laughs> I'm feeling... man, I had a game where I Sorry, man. I'm pretty sure I dislocated my shoulder and my left shoulder. I was back when I was like 14. And I started to play first base. I only had nine people and I didn't want to forfeit because I don't like losing. And so I remember getting in a whole infield together and being like, please... Please throw it in the dirt. Do not make me bring my arm above my head. I might just at the numbers or one on the numbers. The letters, letters are below. I can feel them in the ground. Don't throw them. And like I remember the rest of the game, they're doing pretty well. And there's two people. And the first time somebody did it, I forgot and I threw my arm up to catch it, and it was horrible. And the second time I did it, I caught it with my, my throwing arm, my bare hand, and just kind of stared them down, pissed off about it after they gave me such a stinger. But, yeah, man, it's a, it's in, it's a variable position that always seems to be changing. Yeah. I I don't like any of that. I know third baseman, you have to have a fucking cannon. I, I've heard that about third base. Shortstop, you got to be really quick. Second baseman... I don't really know anything about second baseman other than you're pretty much just like another shortstop. You are pretty much a second first, a second shortstop. I'm not playing second baseman, but you're in a position to bring this ball or second baseman first base. You are so much more involved. I mean, the first base is like you said, it's like a, you're part of the action, but you're not really part of the action because a lot of times the ball gets
But at second base, man, a lot of the times you're involved in that action. Um, so I used to love playing second. Um, I was in high school. I used to be told I was too lanky. Obviously, now I'm in the actual span of baseball. I would be the perfect size because baseball players are usually taller than 6'2". But yeah, third base, you got you to gotta have a candy. You got to be ready for that hot corner. There's some good third basemen in the league right now. Rafael Devers for the Red Sox is an okay third baseman. Uh, his hitting's been insane. And he's kind of been improving on his, uh, his defensive side, too. Last year, he had the most errors at third base by any player, I think, that played at least 100 games. Uh, Manny so, Machado, isn't he a good third baseman? I know him because I know the A's fans hate him. Manny Machado is a stupid good third baseman. As much as he seems like a jerk on the field, he is a stupid good third baseman. He made that play a couple days ago, which is just pretty much any play where you get someone that rocks one off the line and kind of skips almost into foul territory, makes the third baseman run into foul territory, and he threw the ball, like, arguably, like, from the hip, if you kind of get what I mean there. Like, yeah. you just kind of, and it, on a line, dude, just, and I could not believe it because it didn't even look like he tried and that's the thing, too, is that, like, in basketball, a lot of times is you get someone that crosses someone over, and everyone can be like, oh, oh, my God, or, you know, someone that gets a dunk or whatever. But in baseball, a lot of the time, I see players make smooth moves like that, and I'm like, ooh. And, like, that's almost what you have to look for to have baseball continue to be exciting for the entire duration because it's almost a respect to how athletic these fuckers are, and especially someone like Manny Machado that can pull off a play like that and make it seem like he's not even breaking a sweat. Yeah, Michael Vick was like that with throwing a football. Like, Michael Vick would just snap his wrist and throw a football 25 yards, and you're like, what the fuck, man? How are you able to do that? And, I mean, I haven't, I can't, I don't know what his real arm was like when he really had a cannon. I bet you he could probably huck a football 80 yards, 80, 90 yards. Easily. Maybe not easily, but he could definitely do that. Man Machado has a cannon. I've seen him do some like like you just said those ones, or or the ones where like you know it's going out and he you have to jump way to the outside, like the out uh, the I guess what is it just the foul territory, and then he has to spring up and he throws it out <sighs> quick too to be able to get up like that. Hey man, a lot of these. Outfielders can, they have absolute cannons. I know that there's a video of Jackie Bradley Jr. standing on home plate at Fenway Park and throwing it out of straightaway center, which is 420 feet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not a football, but still. Uh, you know, like, Giannis, Giannis Cespedes, like, I think I'm saying his, right, his name right. Uh, Giannis. I think I'm thinking of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Is it Giannis Cespedes? Johan Cespedes? Something like Jonas. that? Jonas. Jonas Cespedes. Jonas Cespedes. Um, those two he had for the A's when he just he got Albert Pujols out at like third base or second base or something. Then he tagged somebody out. I always liked Josh Reddick, to be honest. Um, I always thought he had a cannon. Uh, he also was like super good technically, I felt like. Um, I did get into watching the A's when they were really good for two years because my dad loved them. So I did remember liking Josh Reddick a lot. 
Josh Reddick makes me cry because we drafted Josh Reddick, and he was pretty good for us, and then we traded him. I don't just think we traded him. I think he just signed with the A's, and his contract with us ended. And then, dude, first season for you guys, he went, like, 30 homers and stole, like, 25 bases. And ever since then, he's just been a great fucking ball player. I think he's on the Astros right now, and he's been incredible for them, too. Yeah, he was good. I liked him. He was he was a good player. Um, I didn't really keep track of him after he left. I felt bad. I was like, man, I was really bummed they got rid of him. But, you know, I think he ended up winning. Did he win the World Series with the Astros? Was he on the Astros team two years ago? He might have been on the team. Let's see. I hope he was. He's with the Astros now. Hey, congratulations, Josh. You know, I really liked you when you were on the A's and just bumping around, being on, you know, waiting to get your next big move to a good team. I know how the A's are, but you put a lot of heart into playing for us. So congratulations on winning this. Two years delayed, but hey, still congratulations, man. Right on that dub, man. On that ring. Woo! I hate the fact that you guys had to crush us to do it, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh... Yeah, he, I don't think he played well during that series, though, to be honest. But still got the ring, so, you know, be proud of that. Who gives a shit after that? Um, damn, dude. See, I want to get into baseball. Here's the oh, – oh, this is what I wanted to ask you earlier. I forgot because we got into a good conversation. Um, how much can an outfielder, like, in a hitter really, really change how good your team is? Like, for instance, the Phillies signing – uh, Bryce Harper. Like, how much can signing one player like that affect your team? So, it's a little bit different in baseball than from, like, basketball or football because in basketball or football, though they're both team sports like baseball is, one person can definitely make it. Well, fo- basketball can. Football, unless it's a quarterback, you really, like, not – I would say it's a I mean, little like, different. If, I mean, like in the middle of the season last season, if Antonio Brown got traded to a different team, you don't think that's a huge asset to somebody. It is, but yeah, like you can, it is, don't get me wrong, like it definitely is, but you can also see like um, the guy Brown from, or not Brown, or whoever the, the running back is for, oh, James Conner for Pittsburgh Steelers. He filled in for Lavian Bell and pretty much put up similar, maybe not as much, but put up similar numbers and filled that void. I'm just saying it's in football, it's easier to replace those skill set positions. Um, but other than a quarterback, where I, I don't, that's I don't, I don't think like the other ones are definitely they're a little easier I mean, to fill. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, Harris. I'm at, I'm at, I'm at, I'm, he's on the he's on the Saints. Camara? Oh, Alvin Camara. Yeah. There we go. Alvin Camara. And I don't, again, you know, my football knowledge is limited here. Um, but he is, uh, he plays defense, correct? No, he's a running back. <laughs> oh, he's a running back? Man, who's the one that, uh, 
man, see, this is why my football knowledge is so limited. But, again, I guess, like, the point of my statement here is that, like, when you get those people like OBJ or, like, uh, Antonio Brown or uh, someone who can, in the past, like, back when he was with the Seahawks, like Richard Sherman, for defense and, like, those safeties, like, those people I really feel like can affect games. You put those people out there, and it's a different uh, play calling because those people are involved in the game. Whereas with baseball, like, you only have your at-bat every nine guys. So you get four or five chances a game to make a difference. And aside from that, like, defensively, pretty much anyone can do what you do. Like, unless you stand out defensively for something. So, for example, like Jackie Bradley Jr. for the Red Sox, I think one of the main reasons he's kept his job is because he's a fucking cannon. That guy can throw the ball. And he's quick, and he has decently consistent numbers when it comes to his batting average. And so when you get a good, well-rounded player like that, they fit into the system well. As far as, like, from a defensive standpoint, you almost need a player that's going to come in and affect the team in a, in a culture way. And, like, I don't know if Bryce Harper, Manny Machado are those guys. I don't know if Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are the guys that are going to walk into the clubhouse and say, you know, this is day one of the new Phillies, or this is day one of the new Padres. And we're going to start to do something different here. Whereas I do feel like on well, I think that's, like the Red Sox. I feel like that's why they brought in Andrew McCutcheon. Because Andrew McCutcheon will do that. And then Bryce Harper will just be the young, talented guy who's going to be like the face of the organization. But you have Andrew McCutcheon, who's a, senior, a seasoned vet, an ex-MVP, who's been around the league and who's been consistently good for 10 years. Right, exactly. And so you get an asset like that, and that's more of like a culture guy that's going to come in, and, and he's got playoff experience. You know, you got people like Neda, that I got chips. Now you you get Terry Francona, who was the you get Terry Francona, who was the coach for the Red Sox for so long, going over to the uh, Cleveland Indians, and immediately seeing an increase in the, the winning percentage, and immediately seeing an increase in the the culture with Cleveland Indians. And now they're a contender. And I don't want to say that solely on Terry Francona, but he, he, he threw that in Boston and it won them a championship, won them two championships. And then he went to Cleveland and now Cleveland's a contender for the first time in, you know, a decade. And so I do think that from that aspect, you can have one type of person come in and make a difference. Uh, Offensively, um, again, it, I think it's <laughs> I think it's almost like a narrative type thing. Like if Bryce Harper right now is popping, and every at bat was a was a was a spicy at bat. Like Mookie Betts last year, man. I'm sorry I talk about the Red Sox so much, but it's who that's who I watched them. I mean, every at bat last year with Mookie was was was, was, was titillating. It was tantalizing. You were you were expecting him to get a hit. You were expecting him to at least put the ball in play, and that like made the game more exciting and that can add that aspect to it. But I think other than that, you're really looking more for someone that's going to walk in the clubhouse and be like, what's wrong with this team? And what can we do to make it better so that we can win a championship? So then that confuses me why they would spend so much fucking money on one player then. Like, why does baseball do that? If you kind of need, you know what I mean? Like, because I do agree. Like, I do think that, in basketball, like if you were to sign, like if you put Kevin Durant on the Knicks and you keep the whole Knicks team and you throw Kevin Durant on that team, nobody else joins them. The Knicks are now uh, Eastern Conference contender. 
Like they're now contenders in the Eastern Conference. But in base or in football, like adding somebody like Antonio Brown, that's why like you see players who like once they're like 27, 28 in NFL, like they get they get traded. Even top players get traded for like a fourth round pick and then like a linebacker or something. You know what I mean? It's not like they're not getting traded. Yeah. You're not doing like in the NBA where if you were gonna trade Kevin Durant, you would need somebody else of Kevin Durant's level to in order to replace. You can replace it with like a fourth round pick in, in the NFL. Um just because there's so many rounds and like baseball, the rosters are so fucking big. They're just huge. Um so that's where I like I, I think baseball's a, or football's a little similar, but to baseball on that, but like like you said, though, like OBJ definitely adds a factor um, to it, and I, I just don't know why you would pay somebody in baseball like Bryce Harper three hundred and thirty million dollars if, at the end of the game, at the end of the day, the value he's adding to the team isn't something that's going to be like can take your your team from third in your division to the top of your division and playing, you know, in playoffs at, at the end of the season. No, I agree, and I think there's I think there's pretty much one guy in baseball right now that deserves that. It's Mike Trout. I think that Mike Trout is pretty much exhibited from all standpoints that he's an absolute fucking tank and a monster to be to be reckoned with. But he is, you can see, one of those culture guys. I think you could take Mike Trout and put him on a bad team, and you immediately make a bad team better. And that's not just because Mike Trout's so good at offense, but that's because he brings a winning mentality and you can see it and he also brings an attitude with him and with that attitude comes the surrounding you know like uh, I don't want to say fans but it does it just brings the surrounding fans there too so all of a sudden Phillies games this season are way more exciting than they were last season because Bryce Harper's there and just that can help jump spark you know a team into a winning mindset, but I agree with you. I think that, I mean, I think all sports athletes are overpaid. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous that we're getting, we pay these people so much. And I mean, even the athletes themselves say it. I mean, I think Bradley Beal has gone on, on uh, the uh, record saying, you know, it's not about the money. I think Jimmy Butler said the same thing. It's not about the money. It's, it's about the want to win. It's the want to play the sport that you love. Yeah. And but... I think money's really nice, but like, they I was just listening to a podcast the other day about this wrestler that said, you know, if they offered me a $10 million contract, he's talking about leaving a company, uh, so if they offered me a $10 million contract, I'd still say no because what do, I, what do I need to do with $10 million? Like, I have everything I need already. I've been paid for so long. What do I need $10 million for? I mean, Bryce Harper is, and I think this is so different to people like us, you know, but like, if someone gave me $30 million, I would still have so many of those dollars when I died. I would make thirty million dollars last me for so forever. Yeah, but and see, like, those, know, here's the thing: is the, those guys who are saying that are also taking super max deals and like max deals. Like Jimmy Butler's not going to sign for another team anything less than a maximum deal. He he'll say it's not about the money all he wants, but when the pen and paper is in front of him for a max deal on an okay team and who he knows maybe could be good, but maybe need one more player, he's still signing that max deal. He's not going to take a pay cut, and if he know. does, it's not he a huge take, he pay cut. He might take a pay cut. Go to LA. We'll see. We'll see. 
I mean, he's going to miss out on a max deal. Like, he, he's not going to get the highest maximum he can because he's not playing with the team, like, I think, who originally he was drafted by or something like that. Like, that's where you get your highest payouts. But um, I don't know. I, I Don't get me wrong. I definitely think – I think – I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. I do think that athletes are overpaid, but I think they're overpaid in a different – way you think they are i think they're overpaid because these i think these managers are just stupid with their money and the fact that like they're sending out these massive contracts to all these players when like what you said they could be firmer with these players and instead of giving players like 38 million dollars a year if they signed they would be able to sign bit more and more players and better players and keep them longer if they were all like taking pay cuts. I think they should instead of they'll sign players like Tristan Thompson's making 17 million a year. Why is your sixth best player making 17 million a year? There's there's no reason for that. Like the Warriors <laughs> are a prime example of people taking pay cuts and winning because of it because you're able to keep good players. Well, the Warriors are also paying. The Warriors are also paying like money out of ass and luxury like tax. The cap for, for, for good players to get paid. Like if you're not making thirty mil a year, you're not an all star in this league. And like, why is that the assumption that that's the number we need to be at? You know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is because they got all that. That's what I mean. Is they got all this money from. Uh, all their like TV deals, so they got all their money, and then these owners went out and just blew their fucking wads on players, and so they they changed the whole market, uh, and so now all of a sudden these players are getting these whole giant fucking uh, you know contracts. When don't get me wrong, there's some players who deserve these because I think there are about there's about eight players in the NBA who can change a franchise if they were to arrive. And I think those players do deserve those like giant contracts. But everybody after that, I mean, you really got to be – the, the owners should be a lot better with their money on. But they changed the whole market when they blew their loads in the first uh, expansion. I mean, yep. a perfect example for me is in, in Europe, in the European soccer, um, Neymar two or three years ago – I think it's three years ago now um, – he got bought out from Barcelona by PSG. And at that time, the world biggest transfer fee was like $109 million. And it was like by Pogba or something like that. Dude, when the whole Neymar thing happened, $220 million he got bought for. Double of what the second closest. It changed the whole market of... Uh, of soccer over there and now these owners are starting to throw money around like crazy and it's just like basketball man now now people are getting bought at ridiculous prices since neymar's thing there's been like five people over a hundred million dollars that have been bought for over there and it's ridiculous how one giant thing can just change the whole market i do think that like your second best player third best player shouldn't also be making 35 fucking million dollars i think that's where it should be different Period. And the, like, the whole Craig Thompson thing with him not making an all-NBA team and so he didn't get a supermax from the Warriors. And I, I remember the graphic that ESPN put up, and it was a difference of 221, 291, I think, so difference $32 million, something like that, $30 yeah. million. Dollars. And the, the graphic on the right, that was the more money has, like, all these dollar bills and, like, all these stacks of coins. 
and then like the one on the left that was only thirty million dollars left was like just just barely some bills and like some sad points. And I'm like, we're fucking talking about thirty million dollars here out of two hundred million dollars. I'm like, can we can we not exaggerate the the animated graphic of how much money he's missing out on because he didn't make it on the eighteen? I'm like, he's making more money than people are going to see in their entire lives in five years. Yeah, but you know it's also a lot better than a hundred and ninety million. Two hundred twenty million <laughs> is a lot better. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. It, it's always like I do agree, like conceptually. I I do agree that I think there are times, and you know, I would like to hope if I were in that position, like. For instance, Dirk Nowitzki, when he took a pay cut, I think going into 2011, like I would want that. But most of these players, when they're getting these contracts, they're in their prime. They're like, look, we got, I, I can sign this because I got five years and they're going to be able to build around me for five years. And, you know, where then later on in their career, they're prob- they'll probably take a pay cut because they're like, all right, now I got to win something now if I'm not, I haven't won one yet. And so they'll take those pay cuts. But like, I do think... I do think that the owners were stupid with their money and they, they changed the market too much. And I think that's where it's getting hurt. And now we're seeing these ridiculous contracts to players who really shouldn't be getting these types of contracts. And yeah. I think it would be, I, I think that would also minimize the whole, like what we were saying is like, look at the loss of $30 million because you're like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I guess my reasoning to that is just because these players would be all now be getting reasonable contracts and we wouldn't be like kind of dealing with the bullshit of like, look what he's missing out on. It's like, well, he is worth what he's worth. And uh, I, I don't know, but I, I, when you have, I guess a lot of money out there, it's uh, easy to throw it around. It's, that's just, I don't know. I guess my opinion, I'm just rambling at this point. Yeah. When you're, when you're a billionaire, you can basically just throw it where you want. Yeah. And this like the, the owner of golden state, like, Dude, all, these players all have these massive contracts because, one, they were all drafted there so he can go in the luxury tax. He has no problem p- paying that luxury tax. So they're like – Golden State is like one of the highest payrolls in the NBA by a mile and other than actually uh, Miami Heat because they're stupid. Um, I don't know. But uh, – oh, one last thing before we can kind of like wrap things up here. Uh, how do you think Orlando's going to do next year? What's your thinking on that? Oh, I think I think Orlando's I think Orlando's coming back stronger. My my off season woes are this: we got to sign Vooch. He is the best player we've had in a while. He's the best player on the team right now. So that's big. Um, I hope to God Markel Fultz wakes the fuck up. This kid is good. We know he's good. We know he's a baller. We've seen him poop. It's like the the bald lady from Doctor Strange like sucked his powers away. It's like Space Jam happened to just him and none of us watched it. The monsters have his, have his talent somewhere. He's just... If he could wake up, that's such a game changer, man, because he's, he's a number one draft pick. He's one of the few number one draft picks the Magic have ever had. And so I think that he can help. I think Michael Carter-Williams is going to help. I think we got to re-sign Terrence Rock, Gordon Stan. So Obama's coming back. 
Um, I think we are, we're definitely making the playoffs again. Way too early seeding. We're taking the fifth seed in the East. What? (laughs) And we're we're definitely making it to the second round. Ugh. Also, Raptors in seven. I was about to ask you, what do you think about the finals? I was going to get your quick. Uh, I want to kind of do some wrap-ups before we, uh, there's some things I want to get your takes on. Who do you think's winning tonight? Man, winning tonight is a rough one because Clay and Steph have to come back with a vendetta, but also Kawhi scored like nine actual points and the rest of them are free throws. So I think Golden State takes tonight. That's, that's the actual question you asked me. So that's what I'll answer. Yeah, there's both sides of that argument, right? Everyone's like, oh, well, the Warriors shot terrible. They had 10 days off and yada, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, well, do you really think Kawhi Leonard's going to play that badly? I mean, yeah, I get Pascal went off, but what do you think is going to happen when pa- like Kawhi Leonard starts going off? Like, You're not going to be able to double both Pascal and Leonard. It's not going to happen. Well, and everyone talking smack to Pascal, I mean, like, yeah, he went 12 for 15. Okay, let's take four of his shots away, right? And now he's 8 for 15. That's a very normal game. And Kawhi makes, what, four field goals more than he made last game? Is that really that hard to believe? Exactly. I I don't understand how... They beat him both times in the regular season, though I know that the Warriors were kind of wounded, but Kevin Durant played both those games. And when he was on the Spurs, he played... A, a half against them that he was giving them the work. Um, so also, I think that we haven't seen Kawhi. Also, uh, Kawhi Leonard did not play the second game that they played uh, against the Warriors this season during the season. Kawhi Leonard only played in the first game, and they beat him in overtime. Oh, duly noted. Thank you for bringing that up. Didn't know that. Um, that's even. That's even. Did, did Kevin Durant play in both games? I don't know that Kevin Durant played in the second one, but uh, I do know the original three of the Warriors did play. I think okay. I think Kevin Durant did play, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But I do know uh, Green, Curry, and uh, uh, Thompson played. Yeah, I think tonight's going to be a battle. I think one of the Splash Brothers is dropping 40, because I think they have to. <sighs> yeah. But... I don't know about 40. They edge it out. Here's why I don't think 40, because Clay Thompson doesn't do 40. Clay Thompson either does 30 or 56. Uh, (laughs) That's how Clay Thompson is. Um, I think, I don't think uh, Curry's going to, I don't think Curry's going to hit 40. Uh, Kyle Lowry's just too good of a defender. I would expect. I, I don't I I mean Curry played good, dude. Curry did play good. He had thirty six. He was he was attacking. He was aggressive all all game except for the uh, the second quarter. But he was really good all game. Kyle Lowry played good defense. I would expect that to be about the maximum Steph Curry does. Would I be shocked if he dropped forty five? No, but I wouldn't. I would say more than likely, probably Clay Thompson's going to go off for like thirty five tonight. Because he's going to have, like, Danny Green chasing him and, like, Norman Powell and stuff. I mean, I would love to think that Kyle Lowry's going to drop more than the fucking number on his jersey in regard to points tonight. Oh, yeah. But it is, uh, it is yet to be seen. But, I mean, like, that's another thing, too, man, is we know, and it's unfortunate because he's been such a wash, we know that Kyle Lowry has the potential to drop 25 easy points. 
it just seems like the boy is afraid to shoot the ball or like knows that um, he's definitely not the best player on his team anymore. I don't know. But here's Kyle here's Lowry my thing though. I think Kyle Lowry actually has played pretty well this postseason. I think he's actually played a pretty good postseason. Um, he's had some bad games. Don't get me wrong. He has had some bad games. But I think if you look back, I've watched pretty much every Raptors game. He's actually played pretty well. Um, I just think if he can get you 16 and 8, that's all you need out of Kyle Lowry. 16 and 8 from Kyle Lowry is what you need. And anything after that is golden. Maybe 18. 16 to 18. Yeah. I mean, if, if we can get me to 18, if we need to 15, I mean, like, please. That'll be double what he scored in game one. My so, bigger beef is with... I think that there are with... definitely some things going in the Raptors' direction. I think the Raptors win overall. I think Katie coming back doesn't make a difference. I don't think... It, I think it actually hurts the Rap. I think it hurts the Warriors more because it slows down their Thank game. Thank you. I, oh, my gosh. I, I think it, agree. I think... I think it slows down their game, and Kawhi Leonard is just a really good defender, particularly on Kevin Durant, and he can score with the best of them. So I think it actually feeds into the favor of the Clippers or the uh, Raptors more. Um, I think Raptors win in six. Um, I think, yeah, I just I think they win it in six, and I believe that. Uh, what was I going to say with this? Uh, I don't know. I think they're going to win tonight, too. Um, I just have a gut feeling. Um, and I think they'll be in a lot of trouble. And, um, to, damn it, dude. It was to your... I can't fucking remember. It was to your Kevin Durant point, though. But I think Kevin Durant coming back actually just hurts them, though. I, I, I don't... I think it makes it, just, it work. It slows things down. It makes Leonard get more rest in the defensive end because he's not chasing one of the two splash brothers around the entire fucking court. Kevin Durant has definitely got to torn something. It's, whatever it is, it's torn. It's not strange. We know at this point that his agent's lying and that it's got to be worse than what they're letting on to. And so if Kevin Durant's coming back, he's coming back hurt. And then what? Is Kevin Durant checking Kawhi Leonard on the defensive end? Yes, no. definitely. Yeah, he will. He would definitely would. He would definitely check Kawhi Leonard. No, exactly, right? He definitely would check. And then you got a, a, you got your best player who's hurt guarding the second coming of fucking Michael Jordan in this series. And as, I just don't think that... As Chuck would say, Mama, there goes that cyborg. I, <laughs> I, uh, Did you hear what he said in an interview today, too? Uh, what's his face? Uh, said that someone asked him what he, how he responds to trash talk. And he goes, you know, it doesn't happen that often. And he, I think that's, again, just a testament to the player he is. Like, he doesn't open his mouth on the court unless it has something to do with basketball. He just fucking... Ooh, I just think there. people. I think people know he he's one not going to talk back to you, and you're not going to get a reaction if you talk to him. So like people just don't they don't bother because you're like, what's the point? It's not gonna. He's like, no, nah, people don't really say much because that's. I mean, a juicy question, and he responds with like a very mellow answer, and that's what exactly what I would feel like if I were to talk sh- shit to him on um, on uh, on the court. But, oh, dude, another thing I want to tell you. Uh, here, You want to hear a hot take about the NBA that I uh, I feel pretty passionately about that I've only told a couple people? Always. I think Dwayne Wade is probably one of the most overrated players in the NBA. In the modern NBA era. Why? 
what is your argument for Dwayne Wade being overrated? I don't think he's as good. I just don't think, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think Dwayne Wade is a bad player at all. I think he is a very good player. He is a great player. But I think the way he gets talked about and how people say how good he is, I think is very overhyped and overrated. I simply do not. People talk about him being one of the best players of all time, and I don't even think he's in the top 15. I think you could name okay, a lot I, of... I, I would agree with that. I, think I would people, agree with that. I don't think that he's top 15. And I think a lot of people talk about him as if he is, because they're like, oh, he's the third best shooting guard of all time. And it's like, you could maybe make that argument, but I think you could still make an argument that he's maybe not even a top five shooting guard of all time. I mean, there's a lot of great shooting guards out there. And that that's all I'm saying is like, I think people talk about him like he's a top 15, top 20 player of all time. And I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that at all. Is he a great player of all time? Top 50? Yes, he's a top 50 player of all time. But I don't know that I'd put him in my top 15, top 20. And he... I think he makes like top 25. Yeah, I could... I could... I could... And I think I could make an argument for top five shooting guard of all time. I think you could make an argument for top five shooting guard. He'd probably be four or five, in my opinion. He'd probably, he'd probably be number four or five, and that's only because James Harden has to be included in that conversation all of a sudden. Well, where do you put James uh, Harden? Shooting guard or point guard? Shooting guard. Yeah. I mean, like, he's played the last two two seasons. How long is Chris Paul been? Two seasons? Yeah, yeah. This is his second. When James season. Harden is discussed professionally, he's discussed as, in my opinion, a shooting guard. I would and agree with that. The only reason I'm even including him in this conversation is because, like, as much as I freaking hate basketball, is literally adapting and changing because of some of the ways that he plays basketball. But obviously, he's in that four-five conversation, right behind or right with Dwayne Wade. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I think you're right on that. Um, yeah, I hate that, but, yeah. Um, and, you know, he responded to the criticism well, man. People people really talked a lot of smack about James Harden and said that he, like, didn't play defense, this and that, and he really came back and led the league in tips, I believe, tip passes. Oh, um, my God. What a baseball stat. Deals, but what a baseball player stat you just gave. He led the league in tipped passes. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Get passes, man. Get, get in those hands in there. Get in those hands involved. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just pulled that out. All right. Well, hey, I want to end this with one last thing. This is, like, kind of my thing I want to do. Um, uh, kind of a, a would-you-rather sort of thing. Um, so my question to you is, would you rather die by being attacked by a shark or bitten by a venomous snake? Oh, fuck. That's a rough one. <laughs> um, both of those are like super horrible ways to go out. Absolutely. Um, I think probably the, the snake, because with the shark, I'm also drowning. And that just sounds horrible. <laughs> but at least with the snake, like I just, you know, eventually I think my heart will just stop and then I'll just die. And, and then I'll be over as opposed to like literally being ripped apart. Yeah, I definitely think the snake. 
See, I think I'm going opposite. I'm going uh, shark. I think because it would be over quicker. I feel like there's a good chance. I feel like there's a good chance he's ripping a, a you know an artery or uh, I, I'm not making it past a ten count. <laughs> so you're like, I guess it's yeah. It would be over quicker, but brutally. What if it doesn't end fast? What if he just like, rips off one of your legs and then eats that for a minute and then comes back and you're just bleeding and drowning? <laughs> <laughs> At least if I could bend my snake, I can like call my loved ones. I'm like, hey, yeah, it's all over. But then you and got like, like just, then just you got like, venom. I'm like, no. But then you got like five minutes of choking on your own blood and you can feel the venom literally clogging your arteries. <laughs> your veins. My heart. And you just know that you've got like 40 breaths left in you and that's it. <laughs> and it's going to be a miserable, like that's a very long five minutes. Like I guarantee you if I'm dying by a shark, I'm not living five minutes. I probably got like... I'm guessing at, on average, I'm probably going to be, you got to put it in the mind that this guy is going to kill you. Like regardless, you're going to die at the end of this, whether this is, he's just biting off one leg and you're just bleeding out or whatever. You're still not living longer than five minutes. I think you're it's one bite versus so many bites. <laughs> yeah, but I'm telling you, don't get me wrong. It's a brutal 45 seconds. Like your body's going to be time to go out. It's those 45 seconds are going to be miserable, absolutely miserable, but it's only 45 seconds. I feel like slowly coming to an end for five minutes and I don't think it's going to be pain free. I don't think it's like your body's just going to go into shock and you're just like, all right, definitely here not. I'm going dying. Not gonna be pain free. Yes. I, I definitely think this venom is going to be like a pretty painful five minutes and I would take 45 minutes of sheer brutality pain or 45 seconds of sheer brutality over five minutes of just misery, just absolute misery. I mean, dude, you've seen those. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. (laughs) I mean, you've seen those videos on Twitter of like the snake venom, what it does to their blood. Fuck no. Uh Uh-uh. Yes. Yes. You are correct. But at the same time, I don't want to be ripped apart by a goddamn <laughs> shark and then drown while I'm getting ripped apart. Here's the thing. I don't think you're drowning. I think you're not – technically, you have to die from that. Like, yes, you are drowned. You're in the act of drowning, but you're probably more worried about your limbs that are coming off than the actual water filling your lungs. I don't think you're thinking about that. I think you're just like, oh shit, my leg's gone. <laughs> oh shit. You're probably just getting eaten. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, either way is not good, but uh, I would agree with that. But hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. I had a fucking blast with this. Uh, learned a lot about baseball, too, actually, and kind of makes it a little more intriguing. I would like to definitely have you on and talk more about it and all that stuff, but. Uh, I really appreciate you, man. Uh, I can't wait to see you again. Come out there and visit, and I'm excited for your wedding. It's gonna be a fucking blast. Oh yeah, man. I really appreciate it. I had a ton of fun uh, talking today. Can't wait to do it again about whatever it needs to be. Can't wait for the wedding. It's gonna be a bomb, and uh, I'm also gonna head out to Portland soon. So we uh, we'll do one of these in person. Hell yes, hell yes. All right, brother. Take it easy. Love you. Miss you guys, and um, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Hey, let me miss you too, man. Talk to you soon. Bye.